0: Welcome to the Other Voice podcast. This is part three of a conversation Ben and I have been having on the gains, the losses, and today we're going to talk about the leadership pressures we have faced over the past year. And so, Ben, why don't you start off by talking about um, the pressures that came on us right away when COVID hit?
1: Yes, I can remember the first bit of news was... You know, deciding late Saturday night, March the 7th, whether or not to cancel in-person gatherings for the very next morning. So we were, you know, 12 hours away, obviously 9 p.m. to 9 a.m. 9 a.m. is our first uh, Sunday gathering time. And it felt like a huge decision. I mean, it's laughable now uh, as we haven't had— Although we're getting back to some semblance of a gathering, we haven't had a normal, what we would call a normal Sunday gathering where we do three services in this building, yeah. you know, lots of several hundred people. Uh so so initially it felt so weighty. And uh but we were able to get that decision made, get the messaging out to our staff team and of course, then on to the rest of our church, thinking it would be uh, you know, just a couple of weeks that we would be gone and, and then we would be back.
0: Yeah. So decisions that had to be made on the fly, felt like, um, and in an area that we've never dealt with before, did you um, take that class in seminary on how to handle a pandemic? You know, I'm trying to think how many of
1: my seminary classes actually have proven helpful in uh, the last 10 years of starting and leading this church together. But no, I certainly didn't get the pandemic class. I didn't get the, here's how you do it. But I got a lot, a lot of things I did not get there. But you know, initially it was shutting down that Sunday in person. Thankfully, in 2017, we had moved to an online uh, campus or online experience where we Whoa. streamed our services. So we had the technology, we had the platform. That didn't take a hit at all and has only gotten better over the last year. And it was pretty strong to start with. But we had never done, best to my knowledge, though we had talked about it and probably dismissed it, at least I had over the years, we had never uh, had any groups done online online. Yeah. And so in March, we're that's for us here at Epic, we were in the middle of a group session. And so every group moved to Zoom that next week. Yeah. And so that was, you know, we were buying Zoom accounts and, and all of the things that all organizations and, and probably families and companies were doing.
0: Yeah. When COVID hit, I remember personally thinking, oh, this is going to be a couple of weeks, right? If we If we all shelter in place two to three weeks, this thing is going to disappear. We're going to be good. Um, but as the weeks went on, we realized, hey, this is going to be much longer than any of us anticipated, and that created a lot of un- uncertainty. Um, I remember thinking there was a lot of uncertainty on who's going to lose their job, um, who who's going to have a, a crazy need, who's going to possibly get this virus and it impact them in a major way, and so can you speak into the just the uncertainty of the virus and the season?
1: Yeah, I mean, there was so much uncertainty, and the, the interesting thing about this virus is it's, it wasn't just canceling school and church and our favorite sports. Those things were hugely impactful, but it caused fear to rise in people. It, took away industries overnight, which meant that it was taking away jobs overnight. And so um, it, it was a multifaceted response needed because there were so many different categories being disrupted. And so with your help and the help of our team and leaders here at Epic, over a span of four days, we reached out to 900 individuals and families in our church who were some way associated with Epic. And that was huge, especially initially, and one of the things we learned I think leadership wise is you respond one way at the onset of a crisis. Yeah because you have to react Mm -hmm. quickly. Um, And and then over time, you don't have to be as frequent, maybe in the communication, but in those early days, we were communicating daily, certainly with each other Mm -hmm. and other members of our team. And we were trying to communicate with our church, you know, in those four days, then every two weeks. And then it moved on from there. We initially established this benevolence fund, Mm -hmm. a COVID-19 fund. Mm -hmm. Uh, We didn't have people by and large, asking for support in that first week. But we knew, or at least we anticipated, there's going to be a huge need. So for the people, and it was a beautiful reality in our community, the people, as so many have, you know, so many people made more money in the pandemic, especially people related to profitable tech companies over the last year. Other people were losing their jobs. And so I think to see people rise up and give to this fund and others raise their hand and say, hey, I, I have a need. And, you know, we've raised well into six figures with this COVID fund. I know we've helped over a hundred individuals and families, which I think is awesome, but that was set up in those initial days, anticipating that there would be great needs. So we did that, but the uncertainty was huge. I began to think about what are we going to do if we don't get to meet soon? Yeah. And you know, we didn't get to meet soon. Yeah. And sometimes it's hard to know what's appropriate wisdom and what is fear kind of winning the day in Mm -hmm. my heart. I don't know about you, but as the person responsible, obviously God's ultimately responsible for Epic Church. We have a great team. We have a board. But as the person responsible for leading this church on a day-to-day basis, it would be crazy and um, inappropriate even for me not to consider what will we do if income dries up? Who, Who would we asked to take less hours or mm-hmm. less pay. What would I need to do as a leader? Yeah. relative to that conversation. And so yeah. and thanks be to God that not only have we not had to take money away or take positions away, we've actually added positions during yeah. this pandemic. Yeah. The big ones were, you know, uh, already committed and we wanted to be uh, people of our word. Yeah. And then another one was practical where we made uh, Brenda who does all of our all of our video work, we took her from part-time to full-time, mm-hmm. which was a huge win and so but but you don't know in those early days. Yeah. And speaking of uncertainty, here we are April of end of April 2021. Yeah. I still don't know so much about the rebuilding timeline, who comes back, mm-hmm. how long does it take us to get back to where we were. So, you know, if you can't get comfortable with uncertainty life's going to be constantly challenging but what about for you what about some of the uncertainty related to especially as a leader in your role here
0: yeah yeah as pastors we carry the the mantle the responsibility um to shepherd our our church community to um help them grow in their faith now we don't do that uh, with each person individually but um it it became a challenge not seeing, you know, the six, 700 people that we would see on a weekly basis here, um, in the lobby at Epic and, and touching base. And I just, that was a challenge for me. Like you said, God is in control. He's the one that he's the, the, the good shepherd. Um, and he is working in all of our lives, but we What I saw us do is we became more proactive, Um, even moving our staff meetings to to weekly and going on Zoom just to make sure we are engaging our team, that they're in good spirits, that they are um, leaning into the things of God and and, 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 um, their relationship with him. And we saw the fruit of that. We were meeting with our frontline team very frequently, especially in those early days. And then we kind of spaced those out as time went on. So the, the pressure of not being able to see and touch people, not being able to in, in, encounter them and interact with them on a just a regular basis that was set up and structured. It's like, all right, we have to change kind of our rhythms. And so that made us more proactive with reaching out.
1: No, that makes a ton of sense. And as you talk about you know, the pressure that came with that. I mean, a pandemic creating that kind of atmosphere or might we say lack of atmosphere, mm-hmm. you know, it just got lame yeah. speaking only to a camera. We're all yeah. about technology. We love Zoom and far, as far as what it can provide. We love yeah. our online experience we have here at Epic and yeah. we, our team and, you know, you and I can say this because we have little to none mm-hmm. on the technology expertise, yes, but right. our team crushed it and they are still yeah. crushing it. But a pandemic would have been enough to create that kind of pressure and distance from our community. Uh, But it wasn't just a pandemic this past year, was it? There were just a couple of other things (laughs) going on in our country and in our world. And so as we think about cultural moments, obviously everyone listening uh, hasn't forgotten those. But Mm -hmm. just recap some of the other things in addition to the virus, which is way more than enough by itself. But what else did we face this past year and how did it affect us?
0: Yeah, in in May we were hit with the um, just the reality of what Black Americans face on a regular basis with um, Ahmad, um, the killing of Ahmad in, in, in Georgia, um, and then um, I, I remember clearly the Central Park issue. I can not remember their their names, um, the people that were involved, but where. Um, a woman called the cops on a birdwatcher and and almost used his race um, against him. Um, and then you have the uh, the murder of George Floyd, and those were moments that impacted. It's crazy, not just the communities where the where they happened, and not just the United States, but the entire world. Um, especially the, the the killing of George Floyd, and we knew as. Leaders, pastors, we had to speak into these moments. And, uh, but honestly, man, there, there's always some fear. If I'm just being brutally honest, some hesitation, some uncertainty, not, you know, not knowing how it's going to come across, um, wanting to get it right. There's a bit of a perfectionist in me too. And so trying to string those words together and, 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 and appease everyone is definitely, early on that was a go but i realized quickly speaking into these cultural moments that it didn't matter what i said i wasn't i wasn't going to please everyone i was going to say too much for some and i wasn't going to say en- enough for others and that was a huge lesson for me and i'm and and i'm glad i learned it early on but even though i learned it it, it didn't made it make it easier when the criticism came um, on both sides which is interesting um and so that was extremely eye-opening and a massive pressure and and it was during that time I think I shared this in the last podcast the last episode where I started memorizing passages of scripture reminding me and encouraging me not to be afraid do not be afraid for I am with you. I I needed those words. I needed God to remind me that I was not alone and that I was speaking his word and his truth regardless of what was coming my way. So what would you say to those cultural moments?
1: Yeah, I'm with you. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Will and I have known each other and been working together for a decade now, pretty much. And um, we have a really close friendship Mm -hmm. Um, and we don't happen to be the same color. That's right. Are we? No, <laughs> no one gets us confused. Although I love making that joke, um, so yeah, and it's like, what do you do? The pressure was intense. Yeah, um, and uh, you know, we wanted to learn. We we wanted to not be defensive and not be reactive, and that was something I probably gave into early on. Mm-hmm. I've got to have a post. I've I've got to say something. What do I say? And mm-hmm. here's the thing: people who are looking for something to be outraged by, we'll yeah. find it. Yeah. So what we did, and you were super helpful uh, to me, we're trying to figure out what do we do? Because people want to give us a role in the world that might not be the role that God's given us. Mm-hmm. You and I have been called to, under the chief shepherd, who's Jesus, yeah. we've been called to shepherd people here, yeah. to pastor people here. Yeah. And so it didn't make sense to say things that you and I would say if we were in Atlanta, Georgia.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you know, it didn't make sense to to, to to do what we would do if we were the mayor of San Francisco. Yeah, I assume that's not something you're going after and mm-hmm. we're grateful for London Breed, but we mm-hmm. don't want her job. We've been given a different thing. And so part yeah. of it is, how do we learn how to say what God's called us to say? And the criticism, you know, listen, we tried to do what we felt led to do pastorally. I remember in September, uh, we had a Zoom call with the black community at Epic. That was hard. It was good. It gave us a chance to just listen, Mm -hmm. um, to offer compassion, to say I'm sorry, and to learn. Um, but even you know there were people when you addressed the George Floyd thing in a message. Mm-hmm. You know there was a family that left our church apparently that day. Yeah, I don't even know how you leave an online church, but <laughs> they just said, "I will go to ESPN.com. I'm not doing <laughs> EpicSF.com." And uh, all joking aside, those things are, are never fun. But you realize you can't you can't please or appease everyone. And yeah, I just remember like, uh, but there was fear and anxiety coursing through my body yeah. at times, not just my mind and my heart. Like I could feel it yeah. all throughout my body. And um, man, it, we'll talk about this at the end, but like I I almost got to the place where I asked myself, Ben, do you still want to do it? Mm. Live out this calling? Is it still worth it? Yeah. Because every job in the world is hard to some degree. Uh, but what's happened over the past year is in this distant world, in all of this evil that's happening in our world. Um, Everyone is looking for someone to be the target of their outrage. There is rightful outrage, and there's some that's just outrage. Everyone's looking for someone to be the target of why their life or the world isn't like they Mm -hmm. want it to be. And anyone in a leadership capacity, which you and I happen to be in, Mm -hmm. uh, becomes a really easy target at that moment. Yes. And I'm reminded that there's a reason, and you know this, like why everyone doesn't choose to be a leader. Mm-hmm. If leadership was easy, everyone would raise their hand,
0: Yeah,
1: right? Yeah. Or if people were easy to lead, everyone would raise their hand. Yeah. But it's not easy because people aren't easy to lead. And I think we became a target. And I allowed myself at times to, you know, give a group of people or specific individuals it sounds crazy, but to give them the role of God, and by that I mean, they became my audience. It, they became my judge. They became whether or not I'm a good leader or a bad leader. Right. Yeah. And when I let them do that, man, I about got ready to just hang it up.
0: Yeah. yeah. And so,
1: um, man, I, I've learned a lot. But yeah,
0: no, thanks for sharing. That that's that's strong. And two things that I I want to bring up at this point and and ask one one thing is I've been thinking about this recently. We are a diverse church, right, over, or close to 60 different nations represented, um, multi-ethnic, you know, multi-race, multicultural. Um, And as I think about what has happened in the past year in the churches in America, I believe um, multi-ethnic and multicultural churches have had it harder with this topic than monoethnic and monocultural um, churches. And, and so I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, it's, it's been interesting because you know, when you're just speaking to one group of people, it's easy. But what we have been having to wrestle with is how do we all come together? How do we how do we bring these diverse groups of people and make us one family, you know, under under one God? And, and so that idea of 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 unity, but not uniformity. Not everyone thinking and behaving in the same way. But we are one. We are together. So that's that's one thing. The second thing is, when criticism comes, there's a there's a temptation to put up a wall to protect to ensure that people don't hurt you the way they just hurt you, um, and so. I want us to speak into how do we keep a posture that is calm, that is present, and is aware of what is going on, but is not going to um, attack and is not going to get defensive. So any any thoughts on those two?
1: Yeah, those are great points to bring out. You know, it's interesting. In perspective is everything, right? You and I believe, and we think we have the data on this, that we are leading a very diverse church. We have had the experience of people who are minority in terms of their ethnicity let us know that they don't think we're that diverse. And that's been pretty interesting to me. I mean, you know, how many, there's just over 200 countries in the world. Is that true?
0: Yep.
1: I'm not sure that's true, but that's what I'm remembering at this moment. Mm -hmm. And so to have people from 60 of the world's, 200 or so countries not a small thing it would be hard to argue diversity Mm -hmm. we're also very diverse in terms of age now yeah we're very diverse in terms of people who are married with kids aren't married but have kids yeah single couples who haven't had kids yet Mm -hmm. might not want kids so We cover every industry in San Francisco, Mm -hmm. not just techies and not just entrepreneurs. And so as we assess it, we would say super diverse, a lot of different faith backgrounds. Mm -hmm. So I think that that part has been interesting, but it it has made some things challenging. But one of the things that you and I've had to do is we've got to ground everything in Scripture and in the vision that God has for us. Our vision statement here at Epic is to orient our entire lives around Jesus, Mm -hmm. And when we say that, what we cannot do at that point in time is divorce anything, including, quote, justice from that. The, so, so, so when we are speaking into it, we, we want to ask, what has God said, mm-hmm. Scripture? Cool. And what is he saying mm-hmm. through the Spirit of God at this time in this place yes. to these people? And so that's, that's made it challenging. And some people's eyes are like, oh, there's this, you know, my, my workplace cares about it more. Mm-hmm. Well, a couple of things I might say. Your workplace might just be putting up a front, mm-hmm. but they, they aren't living with—Google, Google, we love that company. Mm-hmm. They're not living with the mandate that God has given the church. Mm-hmm. And so you and I have tried to go, what does God say? So right mm-hmm. when it comes to the unity piece in our diversity, we want to start in places like Genesis 1 and go, um, God created every single human being in His image. We want to move to First Corinthians 12, where it says, hey, um, we are all, if you're an ear, you can't say to the eye, you don't belong. But when we have one person in our community rejoice, we step in and rejoice. When we have one person mourning, we, we, we rally around them, put our arms around their shoulders and say, hey, we want to mourn in this with you. So I think that's The piece on the multicultural thing. And you know what? We've said this for years and it's gotten more challenging this last year. The most fun thing and the most challenging thing about leading Epic Church is how different the people are who make up this community. But I think that's like heaven if we don't lose our mind and make it about us. That's right. Remind me of that second question. um,
0: When the criticism comes, how do you make sure that you you don't get defensive or attack or, you know, that you stay open and, and, and continue to... Um, serve and shepherd the people that God has placed in our care.
1: Yeah. You know, the temptation, as you're pointing it out, for me is Mm self-protection. And for me, self-protection looks like, hey, have a really polished leadership on the stage and then hide when you're off the stage. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, it's easier to hide in a COVID world, even if you're on camera. But I know that's not good for me or for the people that I'm leading But I do think a protection is necessary, and so I think we need to be protected. And I think the first obvious way is even reading in the Psalms this morning at the end of Psalm chapter 2. It's a pretty strong psalm, but at the end of it, it says, blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. And so refuge is about protection, right? So I'm not taking refuge by hiding physically. I'm taking refuge by trying to put myself in the presence of God and going, God, what do you want to say? Remind me of what Mm -hmm. my identity is. I think the other protection piece is who are the people around me who really know me? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, as a, and again, even if it's minor in our eyes, like having a public platform means that you get way more credit than you deserve and way more blame than you deserve. Right? Mm -hmm. So like, Hundreds of people might have thought I gave an awesome message on Sunday. But if I go home and I haven't taken care of the dishes, Shauna really doesn't care about what everyone else thinks about my preaching. She, like, what are you doing? You know, and so I think having those people, Mm -hmm. and you've been one of those for me, Shauna, and and a few others, but having those people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the challenge is how do you not give in to criticism? But learn from it and keep loving your critics, and that's hard. Mm-hmm. But I think loving our critics doesn't look like what we tend to think it looks like. It doesn't look like giving in to them.
0: Yeah, you're not a punching bag.
1: You're not a punching bag. It yeah. doesn't even look like responding to every email
0: mm-hmm.
1: or doing what they want you to do on Instagram. And that's so crazy mm-hmm. that people would would rather me post something on Instagram than have this amazing way I'm contributing to things like justice in the real world. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just crazy. But that's where we've gotten to. It's performative. It's Yeah, and so, um, yeah, it's like, how can I love them? Sometimes loving people, maybe always loving people, is telling them the truth, Mm -hmm. even if it's the truth about their lack of maturity. Mm-hmm. Even if it's the truth about, hey, I care about what you care about, but you're making it the central thing in your life. And best I understand from the scriptures, only God is supposed to— like, we can even make justice an idol. We we can make response to a pandemic an idol. Yeah. Obviously, people have made politics on either side an idol. But now we've got to dismantle those idols, remind ourselves that only God can sit on the throne. And because He's on the throne, we should care about issues. Yeah. But those issues aren't meant to be um, preeminent or to be ultimate.
0: yeah. That's good. And, you know, everything we've been talking about today, this has been a journey. You know, um, we we've taken away a lot of lessons from this year, from the challenges we face. There's been a lot of pressures, but the pressures are still there. Right. And and I know that our audience, many of them are leaders in their community, their leaders at home. Um, yeah. What, what are some final words that you would give them as they are, you know, facing the pressures that are before them today and the pres- pressures that will come? this year? Yeah, I think this is where the spiritual rhythms matter
1: a lot, and our own self-awareness and our emotional maturity. That's one of the things I've learned. And so I'm grateful that God had done certain things in my life prior to this. Mm -hmm. I think about five years ago, I would have crumbled certainly 10 years ago. I would have probably left ministry just Mm -hmm. because I wasn't, I didn't have the internal resources to keep that. So, you know, reading, uh, just finishing again, Edwin Friedman's book, Failure of Nerve. Mm -hmm. Uh, about being a non-anxious presence as a leader, not just of a church or a company, but, uh, you know, in your family. Mm -hmm. That was hugely helpful that I don't have to be reactive to uh, everyone else. I I think, and this is true with Jesus, the more public your leadership becomes, the more time you need to spend in private and in solitude. So my times of silence have been longer over the last year. Just centering myself, not allowing the noise to creep in too early in the day. And that's been huge. A verse that I keep coming back to is 1 Peter 2, 23, talking about Jesus as he was enduring crazy mockery and criticism on the cross. Peter says, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. I want to retaliate. Mm-hmm. When he suffered, he made no threats. And here's here's the clue. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. What happened to me early on, Will, was I was entrusting myself to people who were judging me unjustly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have one judge. At the end of the day, I'm not going to stand before a mob of a particular group. I'm not going to stand before an individual who thinks I'm the worst pastor ever. I'm going to stand before Mm -hmm. the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, God himself, Mm -hmm. and give an account, which is way scarier than standing before a human. It should Mm -hmm. be. Mm Um, But it also reminds me of the God who knows me best is the one who I'm going to give an account to at the end of the day. He knows the assignment he's given me and what he hasn't given me. He knows what he's given you. And you and I are going to go, here's what I did with your assignment. And we haven't gotten it perfect. I'll raise my hand. If you can't see this, because it's not on video, but I'm raising my hand. I have not gotten it perfect, Um, but it's been huge. And then, uh, and the last thing I'll say is if you're out there and the pressures of this last year have tempted you to s- put down your calling, mm. um, let me remind you that they didn't call you. Your critics didn't call you. People in your church, even. If, I know you might, you're like, Ben, I'm in a voting congregation. Well, we can talk about that on a coaching call sometime. But they didn't, they didn't call you. God called you. Yes. And well, the God who called us, who called you, mm-hmm. is the God who will sustain us. Yeah. And we have to remember that we're living for an audience of one, not an audience of everyone. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Other Voice Podcast. If this has been helpful to you, go ahead and subscribe and share this with your friends.